welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wallace. And this is a podcast where we pull the curtain back on the areas of the wellness world, intuitive business that feel like a little shadowy and maybe like they're not so clear. We try to add a little light, shine a little flashlight in there. Yeah. And we have an episode for you today. Actually, this is going to be a two-parter because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information we want to deliver to you. But we're going to go into the five creator archetypes. Talk about shining a light on an area that feels confusing. I think it's really confusing to figure out how to make money as a content creator. Absolutely. It's like, we're all pretty good at making content or you've taken digital altars Mm -hmm. and and content systems and now you're really good at it. But how does one make the money? And there are many people who never make money from the content that they make, which sucks because they should be making money from it and there's also so many ways to make money yeah yeah it's not just one way there's so many strategies and I think that it's easier to figure out which strategy you should try after I've been teaching this work for probably like four years now I feel pretty confident that I can tell you which strategy you should try based on your archetype and so we put together the five creator archetypes that we see most consistently And we've given you some strategies and how you can maybe figure out which one you are and how you might want to try making content that gets you paid, that feels reciprocal, that feels regenerative, that supports you. Because, you know, if you're a knowledge worker, which you are if you make content, that's incredibly valuable in this time. Like, and we, I don't want to get too much into it, but we're in this new this new paradigm this new shift where people who were witches you know millennia ago or centuries ago we didn't get paid with like coins or amex black cards we got paid by taking care of our community for let's say giving you some herbs to help with your stomach ache right knowledge workers also there have not been knowledge workers forever witches are knowledge workers in a way who pass down information and share information also did not get paid necessarily like through I don't know what are the doubloons <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the know? first money <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah they didn't necessarily get paid that way so a lot of us who have this almost in our DNA or like I don't know in our Akasha it can feel almost foreign to figure out how to get paid for this work but I think when you figure out what your creator archetype is, it can make it so clear and so simple. Plus, knowing when you might be in your shadowy phase of your archetype can also help you write your, you know, write the ship. And there are many, many, many different ways to exist as a content creator. And I think you can get really trapped in seeing somebody that you admire and think that you have to do it that way Mm -hmm. or that it needs to look a certain way in general. And I think pulling back and understanding all of the different forms that this can take on is really helpful to just expand your idea of what's possible as a creator. 100%. So that's what we hope to do for you. Yeah, so let's get into the three archetypes that we're going to cover today. The Transpotting Evolutionary, the Patroned, and the Stoic. And next week, we're going to talk about the Empire Building Futurist and the Hermit. And then we're going to give you a lot more info. And you can go to the show notes to find the Notion document and quiz that goes along with this. That will be a little cheat sheet that'll help you out with figuring out your archetypes. Should we go into our first one? Yes, the Trendspotting Evolutionary. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so some examples of our trend spotting Evolutionary are Lauren from The Skinny Confidential, Tinks, Hunter Harris, amazing writer, follow mm. their Substack. Yes, and her Substack is so good. Oh, her Substack it is so good. Mm-hmm. She's so funny. And the cut. Question I like mark? That. No, I like that. I think the cut is right. I think they're a trend spotting evolutionary. They're they're not only doing trends. No. But they're often maybe not at the forefront, but they're reporting on them. Yeah. 
And I would say maybe the cut even is at like an intersection of shifting, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a second from mm-hmm. this trend spotting and evolutionary, not revolutionary. So someone who's evolving all mm-hmm. the time and mm-hmm. willing to evolve. So let's talk about when this archetype is light or when it's in balance. It sees collective trends before they have a name, before they have a title, before people can be like, oh, that girl aesthetic? Before that happens, (laughs) trend spotting evolutionaries see what's going on. It's almost, it almost can be second nature to you if this is you, where you don't even kind of realize you're doing it, but you are able to sort of pick up on what people like. And maybe that comes from, you start to see the content that people keep sharing or keep clicking on and you just make more of it. Or maybe you're actually, you know, thoughtfully, consciously sitting down and saying, oh, this does really well. What is that? Why? Why do I think that's going on? Okay, I'm going to make more of that. And just just myself. The trend spotting evolutionary. Also, you are someone who just evolves with technology pretty quickly. You adapt to new, new technology. You're like the first to try a feature when it pops out because you know that when you adopt technology, especially on platforms like Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, Meta, that's going to get you a leg up in building your audience. So a transpotting evolutionary tends to be one of those accounts that grows super quickly on a platform, mostly because they figured out how to use the algorithm and new algorithmic changes to their advantage. Yes, you are great at spotting trends and, you know, jumping on them. So you've got some good content going, but you're also strategic. On top of that, This person has dexterity. They can jump from platform to platform, topic to topic, and when done well, they can connect those topics in a thoughtful way. They're kind of a jack of all trades, but also master of none, which we can get into the shadowy elements in a second. But any thoughts on the light side of the trend spotting evolutionary? Yeah, I'm just thinking about platform wise. It's interesting to see these types of people who just get what that platform wants and what people on that platform want and how to connect on that platform so easily and how to use it for the best of what it has to offer. It's almost like they're fluent Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. other people just don't get it. And they might not even be able to even describe to you how they get it, but they Mm -hmm. do, Mm -hmm. which is cool. It's a superpower, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are, I think, if we look at like Instagram, these people really pop up with new platform. Like you'll see them at the beginning of Instagram or when, you know, when Reels dropped or TikTok or when Stories dropped. They're the accounts that just absolutely blow up. But also a huge part of being a trend spotting evolutionary is like you're making content pretty consistently because you're trying a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. there's a lot of trends that you're seeing. And that's like when we get into sort of the shadowy element of this archetype, they can burn out fast like big burnout energy because they're jumping from platform to platform, trying new things, trying to keep up, trying to make new stuff. And that is exhausting. Sometimes they get more caught up in watching trends and actually delivering valuable content or content that they love making. And the medium is definitely the message, like for sure, for sure. But you've also got to have some there there in your message. There has to be something meaningful there. Yeah. And you can see this a lot with comments on fashion. I mean, I'm not in the fashion industry, but I feel like each season there are a lot of articles and listicles that come out about the new fashion Mm -hmm. trends. And not to say that they don't all hit, but you can look back and see they've jumped the gun on those trends. (laughs) And for sure, some of them last. But I feel like that's an area where I see that happen a lot where I'm like, hmm, didn't see that come back. I didn't see Yeah, we did not see tiny top hats come yes. back in fashion <laughs> in the way that you expressed Vogue. Yeah, exactly. We were waiting, but didn't hit. Can't wait for that day, honestly. Yeah. I mean, did Uggs really ever come back? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's no. trying to push Uggs on us. Stop trying to make Uggs happen. Yeah. <laughs> Never coming back. They are cozy, though. Also Von Dutch. Uh, no. 
I'll abstain from that. I don't. I, I don't need that again. I don't need to. It's too niche for it. myself. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't ever want to wear a polo shirt ever again. No. No. Or you know the full v- velour jumpsuit. You're gonna say vulva, and I was like, like a vulva. Vulva. <laughs> Always trending, never not trending. <laughs> the vagina. So hot right now. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that fashion is a really good point of like trying to be so far ahead sometimes that you're like just absolutely missing the point. You're not even delivering anything useful. throwing darts. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Just like open your eyes and look around. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the that's the gift of the transpotting evolutionary. They just have to like be amongst it. And sometimes guys get get out there, (laughs) be amongst it, be amongst your fellow youths and humans. But I think also the evolutionary is so good at jumping from thing to thing to thing, trying new things all the time that they don't always give themselves enough time to breathe and like really experiment and settle into something that they're trying out. So like maybe they'll make a podcast, put three episodes out. It doesn't hit. And they're like, podcasts suck. Mm. I don't know how to make a podcast. Podcasts do not work for me. And it's like, Mm -hmm. baby doll, you gotta, you gotta really go for it. Mm -hmm. You gotta give it a little bit more time to brew. Gotta get in the arena Mm -hmm. for a little longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's part of, that's both the blessing and the curse of being someone who can spot trends and who's a bit of a futurist is sometimes you are too early Mm -hmm. and you're going to kick yourself when you started a podcast, you know, five years ago, no one was making them and then you gave up on it. Mm -hmm. And now it's the biggest thing in content. So trust your gut, trust your intuition and hang in there. And then finally, you know, there's dilettante energy, you know, jack of all trades, master of of none. And that can, I think, mess with your confidence Mm -hmm. as an evolutionary, a transpotting evolutionary. Lean in, lean into that, Mm -hmm. like being good at lots of things, Mm -hmm. maybe not being a master of all of them. You do not have to be a guru. You can be a contributor. You can be a contributor to lots of things. And that's interesting. Also, I feel like that the whole obsession with, yes, it's awesome to be good at, at and hone your craft, but a little bit of capitalism <laughs> seeping in there, trying oh, to like, hold us down. To be a really good worker at one uh, thing and be consistent and don't, you know, have Just like put your many... head down and work so hard on this one thing. Yeah, we want you to work well Don't in the be factory. like a lady of leisure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You cannot be an intellectual of many pursuits. You must sit in your chair. <laughs> that is, you're right. That is like so capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That would be a Renaissance of, woman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not an industrial revolution. That is not my era. No, I'm multifaceted. <laughs> Let me be. Let me expand. So, for our transpotting evolutionaries out there, what's up? Here's your content strategy. Use the tools at your disposal. Do you have a big audience? Okay, great. You should be using ads. Like, hi, get paid for your content. Try gated content. Do you have a tight-knit community that really trusts you but maybe is small and mighty? Amazing. Try courses. Try paid communities. Try using what you've got that's powerful. You have something that's powerful. Even if it's just your perspective and your ability to spot trends, utilize that, harness that thing, and run with it. You're also trying to grow your community, not just your audience. Remember, your audience are people that you talk to. Your community is who talks back to you. Your community will follow you no matter what you jump into next. So if you want to jump from platform to platform, tool to tool, idea to idea, build community because they're with you. Your audience will leave you behind as soon as you're not talking about something that's interesting to them anymore. Your community will follow you because you are interesting to them. Added to that, because you're testing so many different platforms and ideas in real time, you can use analytics to your advantage by not losing sight on your strategic POV. Mm -hmm. Like 
if you actually spend the time to test your analytics and see it through and test out a few different theories of content creation on various platforms, you're going to see trends over time. So don't give up on the strategy just because you might be getting bored. Don't give up. Don't be afraid of numbers. They're, you know, intuition is just information and analytics are information too. So don't be afraid. And finally, a tooltip for this archetype is that it often evolves into the stoic, which we're going to talk about in just a second. So you can only bounce around and stay on trend watch for so long. And I think even some of the examples that we included in the trend spotting evolutionary are slowly making their way into the stoic. Well, we're going to talk about it in a second. Our next archetype is the patient. We love that. Yes. We love, honestly, Patreon has taken on a new sort of terminology mm-hmm. and maybe like correlation, but mm. patrons like an artist who who were patronized, not not talked down to, but who had patrons who supported them, like that was how artists lived for most of time. The Until majority of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and still a lot of famous artists that we know today have had wealthy benefactors and patrons. Well, even if you like look at how writers work for studios, mm-hmm. they're kind of like they're kind of the studios, their patron, right? Yeah. They're like, they're an, an all inclusive deal where they're just like going to write for the next five years. And like, mm-hmm. hopefully they put out some really good stuff, but either way, Netflix is paying them. Yeah. That's sick. Sounds awesome. If that sounds exciting to you, well, you're going to love this. <laughs> so that is the archetype we're talking about, the patron. And some really good examples of content creators in this space are Jessica DeFino, a friend of the pod, Sophia Rowe, and maybe a not so, maybe a shadowy element or out of balance element of this of this archetype is Caroline Calloway. If you know, you know. Had not seen that name in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so the patron creator archetype, when they're light, when they're balanced, they are generous and luxuriant in their time. And the content that they make is well-concepted. It's not just slapdash, put it up on the wall because someone's paying you a check and whatever, you can make whatever you want. It is nurtured. It is cared for. It is like art. It is art. And that means that their content and their perspective has great depth and value and really is often a cultural commentary. It's not just a beautiful painting or an amazing song or a really funny podcast because there's, you know, sort of low hanging fruit jokes. There's more there, there, there's a richness to, uh, the patrons content. So if that's the type of content that you like to make, then this might be the archetype that you want to consider embodying. Yeah, I often think of these archetypes as people who, when a current event happens uh, or a pop culture event, there's someone who I'm like, oh, I want to know what they think of this. Uh I want to hear their take. Yeah, and you're not going to hear from them for like two weeks because they're going to sit on it and think about it and they're not just going to write like a response piece. No, no, they're going to also collect all of the data of everybody else who is commenting on it in real time Mm -hmm. and sift it over. Yeah, that's such a good point. They're not often like a reactionary creator. Mm. And so if you're like, if you're slow moving like me, like I need a lot of time to consider and think I'm not really good, like on the fly, this also might be the archetype that you want to embody. And also when they're in balance, they really understand that they quote unquote work for their patrons, but they have a healthy relationship and dynamic with that patronage. And I think this is something that we don't talk about a lot as content creators is that Yeah, we're entrepreneurs, so we work for ourselves in a way, but also you work for the people who pay you. Mm -hmm. And if you have a Patreon or you Mm -hmm. have a paid newsletter or you have a community membership, you work for those people. Yeah. You you know, you work for yourself, yes, but you're also like, they're your bosses. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And if that makes you feel icky, then maybe you want to reconsider what archetype you might want to embody. 
And I would also say that when they're in balance, this this archetype can articulate the value of why their patronized content is important. They can say, this is why paying me for the work that I do is really valuable and what you're going to get out of it. But it doesn't sound like they're trying to convince you of their value. They just are super clear themselves. And then when this archetype is out of balance, they feel like they're at the beck and call of their patron or they literally are. They're not allowed to make the content that they want to make. They're really just in response to what their patrons tell them that they want. Almost like like the worker versus the boss, mm. which doesn't feel good. Especially mm. if you're a creator, you are a knowledge worker. Mm-hmm. So you can't just your audience doesn't always know better than you they don't always know exactly what they want if you feel like you are at the sort of whim of your readers or your listeners or your community or your audience um and you don't feel free to make you feel censored in the content mm. that you actually can make that to get paid for that you get paid for then you're out of balance mm. you shouldn't feel censored a patron the patron creative archetype should feel free to express their beliefs and what they are experimenting with and challenge the status quo, mm-hmm. not just replicate it in their own little cloistered community. Right. Yeah. I And I think added to that is that it doesn't, it shouldn't mean that there isn't room for dialogue between you and your community and your patrons or, or your patrons. It, there should be like a reciprocity there that keeps yes, it in balance and like it. keeps it going in, in a circle. So they they feel also that they can have a dialogue with you. Right. And so it doesn't become like toxic or censored because then people will leave upset if they feel like they also can't respond in turn to yeah. whatever you're putting out. Such a good point. Yeah. Reciprocity is the, is the name of the game. And like, especially when it comes to content, we need to think of that like cons- to consume and be consumed sort of loop that's mm-hmm. happening all the time. That's just a natural life cycle. It also like we can link that back to money, right? When we're yeah. taking someone else, when we're getting paid for something, we are mm-hmm. consuming mm-hmm. a part of someone else, their mm-hmm. wealth or their capital or their value. Mm-hmm. And in turn, we are being consumed. Yeah. Like it, we're both, we're doing it to each other and mm-hmm. it's mutual mm-hmm. and both people have opted into it. Yeah. So it's okay. And so many people feel bad about that mm-hmm. when in reality, that's like a natural cycle. Mm-hmm. And when we're being consumed without consuming back, then we're, we're being overconsumed, right? And that's where we, we get to burnout, like yeah. peak burnout. And I think yeah. that happens so much when we make free content online mm-hmm. or we feel like we're just being consumed, 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 consumed and not getting anything back to replenish ourselves. Yeah, I feel like that question comes up a lot in terms of what is the balance of free to paid content Mm -hmm. and it makes a lot of sense when looking at the patron Mm -hmm. to think about this because you have this relationship with your patrons it's important that you have established that balance for yourself of Mm -hmm. what is free and what is paid and I think figuring that out can take a little bit of time but it doesn't necessarily have to be difficult like you can still offer people something before the paywall yes that feels generative yeah that's such a good example of like when this when the patron is out of balance because they're just hostile to Mm -hmm. people who either can't afford to pay or are not ready to pay yet right and they, they make their work extremely difficult to access which in turn makes it really hard to show someone like Here's why you want you want this. Yeah. It's kind of like they're shooting themselves in the foot. And because they're so closed off and cloistered to the world in their own little bubble, they can also become like very out of touch with mm-hmm. what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, beyond them. Big hermit vibes, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And when this archetype is lacking patronage, because I would say most people 
I would guess, fall on the shadowy element of the patron mm. because although it's getting much easier with, with tools like Substack and Patreon and even I would say podcasting, it's much easier to get paid for the content you're getting, you're putting out into the world. But when we feel like we're lacking patronage, we are demanding and entitled to those who uh, we believe owe us, like quote unquote owe us for our content or owe us for our time. So if you feel that way, like discontent, maybe even angry and like everyone is wants so much of me and there's not enough of me and this isn't fair, then that's a, you know, that's a good, fl- like, you know, time to take a time out, take a little pause. You're a little bit out of balance. So let's figure out how we can get back into balance by making sure that we're being consumed and consuming up. And so a content strategy for you to think about is if you have patrons, 10% of your time should be spent on free content and community, people outside of your patronage. 90% of your time should be spent on your patrons, your clients, your paying patrons or people on Substack or advertising brands. Because by the way, brands can be patrons. And if you don't have patrons yet, then you should split that time 50-50. So take Mm. some time to build out your free content and community and spend the other half of that time building up your patrons list. Mm -hmm. So who's that going to be? And it can be one of these, right? Can be just clients, can be people who are paying for your content on with gated content, can just be a brand that's advertising with you, but you're going to build towards that. And then finally, building your community is, of course, going to be really important. People come for your content, but they stay for your youiness. So don't forget that. And really, like, that's that's your youiness is a big part of why people stay and something you can mix into and share in that 10 percent of your free content which can make it juicier Mm -hmm. amen and just a little tool tip for this guy this archetype is an evolution of the stoic or the trend spotting evolutionary so often people will go from this evolutionary who's like burnt out has done a bunch of things has built a pretty big audience to saying you know what now I'm going to spend 10% of my time on my, on my community. And I'm going to spend 90% of my time making really good stuff for you guys based on what you've told me you love that I also really love. So I like to think of the uh, trend spotting evolutionary as sort of like still finding their voice or what's interesting to them, sort of in the fact-finding phase of their career. Hey, it's Michelle just dropping in real quick. If you've been nodding your head profusely to everything when it comes to burnout and feeling creatively stuck, I have got some good news for you. We created QuantumCon, the Get Shit Done Weekend, expressly, dear listener. QuantumCon is our two-day immersive weekend experience on April 30th and May 1st right here in sunny LA. And we really wanted to make this event, well, mostly because you requested it and we wanted to make something for you, but also because we've been there before. That feeling of being at the edge of feeling burnt out of having projects that you're really excited about but just can't seem to get going on and feeling like you're kind of in this feedback loop of always being really busy but never actually getting anything done. And for us as a team, we found that taking the time to just put our head down, do some deep work and kind of get into, not to sound cheesy, the vortex really makes a huge difference. Not just on what we're able to create but how we feel about our work and what we're here to do. So that's what we've done with QuantumCon. We have programmed it. I've literally thought of everything from breakfast and healthy lunch and all the snacks you could possibly desire to immersive workshops where you can ask questions and get help to a $400 swag bag that is just chock full of goodies that are going to help keep you motivated and focused, cozy, 
and really like in the zone, for lack of a better word. It's going to be such an amazing weekend. As a heads up, spots are limited. It is, we're just trying to keep everyone safe and healthy. And we're really excited about this. We want to do more. So if you're excited about QuantumCon, you want it to come to your city, send your friends to LA. And if you're in LA or nearby, or you want to make a weekend trip of it, we'd love to have you. You can sign up at holisticism.party and you can learn more there. So our last archetype that we're going to talk about today is the Stoic. And some good examples of the Stoic as content creators are James Clear, Guy Raz from How I Built This, Ira Glass, and the, com- OG. <laughs> OG. Mm-hmm. And the company The Hustle. Just, just a little, take a note of the names that we just said. Although I'm sure I'm missing lots, but I find this to be very interesting, the mm. trend here. When light. The New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, the New Yorker. That's good. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's they're cool. pretty right there. They're pretty strong. That's right. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Okay, so when the Stoic is in balance, they are deliberate and consistent in their practices and in their craft and in their content. Like James Clear wrote a daily newsletter, I think, for like four years or something before he wrote his book, and he's only written one book, <laughs> and he wrote that book like four years ago, and he continually sells it, and it is on like the top ten or Amazon list every month it will be one of those decade defining books it's an incredible book if you haven't read it you gotta read it it's amazing he's an essentialist in practice exactly the stoic kind of is yeah i would also say that he is a timeline collapser Mm. quantum leaper yes for sure and yeah like you said they're like the stoic is essentialist in their content they don't try to be everything for everyone do unnecessarily like collaborations like they don't try to do every single thing they don't try to get their fingers in the most pop culture relevant things that are coming up no they they're actually like pretty timeless Mm -hmm. i would say um pretty evergreen and they also are not making things all the time just for the sake of making them like they make one product that's it they make one course forever they have one offering one type of coaching that's it they're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Or one podcast that yeah. they put out once a week. Right. Forever. Right. You know? Mark Marin would be another good example of this. Mm-hmm. And when the Stoic is in balance, they're just, they're really generous with their deep knowledge. And I think most of the time it's because the Stoic is genuinely curious and they have an eye towards self-development and they understand intrinsically that making content is sort of the metabolization of like their own philosophy and beliefs. Mm. It's like how they work out their worldview and Mm -hmm. also like do their sacred work. And so they create, first off, consistency within themselves because they need it. Mm -hmm. And then also consistency and a reliable relationship with their audience or community. And just by showing up regularly, they create that trust and like care, Mm. I think that comes up. And and that, in in my perspective, is generous. Mm -hmm. Like, to continually show up for people, even when they don't ask you to. The reliability of a good creator. And it's like when your favorite podcast, yeah, this one, uh, when your favorite podcast is missing from your feed and you're mm. used to getting it once a week, twice a week, it's mm-hmm. like, what What am I going to do? <laughs> what are you talking about if you're uh, not on the mic? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to know. Why aren't you sharing it with me? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it can be like a little dysregulating. But, you know, the stoic is not perfect. When they're out of balance, they're too precious with their content. They're too perfectionist. They edit too much. They're like think that they're curing world hunger by writing a blog post when in reality like it's it ain't that deep bro you know they can tend to be a workaholic and go hard too hard on the work that they're doing be too dedicated to it not be able to unplug and take time off 
And they can also be really rigid, honestly, when it comes to new ideas, trying new platforms, evolving how to do things. You know, they know what works for them, but that can sometimes limit them because they're not willing to try what's happening in the world. But also, you know, that their strength is their weakness Mm -hmm. because they've been so consistent, because they've stuck with one thing. The Stoic will outperform leaps and bounds some of these other archetypes that we've got going on. One that comes to mind that we're going to go over next week is the empire building futurist. Sometimes the Stoic, just by showing up every Tuesday with their their little newsletter that you think is silly, like they're the one who's going to be the New York Times bestseller, not that empire building futurist who's trying to do a million things all the time. And finally, if they're really out of balance, they can evolve into the hermit, which we're also going to talk about next week, which is, you know, very don't look at me vibes. Like I'm in my zone. Mm. I need to just be like cloistered off by myself. And they forget that the point of making content is to self-actualize and sharing with other people is what makes that real. So let's talk about the content strategy for the Stoic. For the Stoic, finding your unique intersection is the goal because that's going to be your POV. That's going to be what you dedicate kind of your life's work to. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not forever. And James Clear, as the example, email. He's like, no, I don't need to do the whole Instagram game yet. Mm -hmm. I think obviously he decided but to he's later. very chill on instagram he's it's not good. like he shows his face no. he like puts up the same shit every week consistently and it looks the same it's not fancy yeah and i share it every time well it pretty <laughs> much kind of just looks it's just like quotes from his <laughs> yeah. emails yeah or from his book literally yeah, yeah it's like that's he's such a good zam- example of the, this archetype but also how this archetype like makes content of course the stoic's going to repurpose their stuff of course they're not going to make more than they need that's essentialist like Duh, that's mm-hmm. gonna be their strategy. And I found it really interesting that so many men really fall under the mm. stoic category. It got me thinking that I think women and non-binary creators have to be um, more empathetic to their audience mm. and almost like we listen a little too much. Mm. You, you have to have a, a sense of like hard-headedness when you're the stoic of like, this is what I'm gonna do. I believe in it and I'm gonna keep doing it even if no one's listening. Mm-hmm. And I think that really um, people who are forced to be empathetic because it's a survival mechanism, they don't, that's not their first. So instead they find other ways to, to cope. And that's usually like, okay, well, what's, what's giving me the best feedback right now, the most quickly. Right. And sometimes that can be amazing. That can be really helpful. That's where yeah. the transpotting evolutionary or mm-hmm. the empire building futurist come in. But other times it can be the thing that just prevents us from being able to move forward. So next week, we're going to talk about our other archetypes, the empire building futurist and the hermit. And we're going to talk about how to find which archetypes are right for you and embody them. So you can go to the show notes to find the little notion document and quiz that goes along with this that will be a little cheat sheet that'll help you out with figuring out your archetypes you're like not one both (laughs) (laughs) not one but two (laughs) but both things Hmm, guess what archetype i am (laughs) not the stoic (laughs) (laughs) if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed don't worry it will all come together especially on the notion Oh, yeah, yeah. Have a look. I, once you see it, you'll, yeah. you'll totally get it. It's a great it. companion piece yeah, to yeah, this yeah. pod. Yeah, and we love content here, and we love to hear from you, and we like to know, did this vibe? Did it pass a vibe check? Did you <laughs> like it? Go ahead and leave us a review. Someone left us a review, a, a mean review last week, so uh, if you could, you know, just give us a little pump up, you know, we would really appreciate that. Maybe five stars. Five gold stars for us. If you're feeling generous, <laughs> go give us a review. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later.